Welcome to SelfDiscoveryWisdom.com, formerly known as SelfDiscovery Media. On these podcasts, you're going to hear people who speak from the heart. They've taken the journey in life. Many things have happened to them, but they've changed it to happening for them. And in their strength, their courage, they've discovered their abilities and their wisdom, and they are now sharing it here with you. Do enjoy each show. We bring it to you with love and knowing that it's going to help you on your journey of life. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Your Health is Your Choice, right here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest all the way from Australia is Adam Senenki. Are you breathing right? Well, he's the breath geek, the breath guru, and he knows how you should take a breath. And he has a whole program on the actual modality of breathing. We actually take it for granted, folks. We think that it's just air in and air out. I've been an asthmatic for 66 years now. I do not take it for granted at all. But our breathing, whether we're t- releasing things or whether we're taking in air to k- get us going forward, is something that we're unconscious of and we need to be conscious of. He says he believes that breath is the foundation of all health and wellness. It's the most fundamental aspect of our being, and yet it is overlooked. He's on a mission to remind people that they can positively impact their health wellness performance through breath practice. Breath practice has been a part of the human experience for thousands of years, and it's time to reconnect and harness the power of the breaths. Um, He's known as the Breath Geek, and I want to get right into the show and uh, talk about breath. We can't live without it, can we? (laughs) Thank you so much for that introduction. And that last little bit, absolutely right. This is one of the things that I always remind people. You're only alive as long as you breathe. The it's, first breath is when your life starts. The last breath is when you li- your life ends. It tethers us here to this experience. So we should enjoy it. And be aware of it. You know, this is the thing uh, people don't realize when they're holding the breath or what kind of breath you need before you take an action. Or sometimes we just say to people, just take a breath and calm down. Mm-hmm. Right? So the awareness of breath is something, again, we take for automatic, uh, you know, uh, for just it's there nobody really pays much attention to it as long as they're doing it but what would you say is kind of the most important thing for us to be aware of our breath well i love to just start everything off with three beautiful words that are kind of cheeky shut your mouth ah okay now Mm -hmm. the reason i say that is it's a little bit of a mind worm Mm. if if there's this little atom that's in the back of your head saying shut your mouth throughout the day, it reminds you of the importance of breathing through your nose. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so much evidence to suggest, well, not suggest, to prove, to back up, to point out that the nose is for breathing, the mouth is for eating, as the old adage goes. Mm-hmm. Mouth breathing is not good for us. Right. And I would suggest that there is very little reason to ever breathe through your mouth. Of course, if your nose is completely blocked up, yep. Don't don't be stubborn and not breathe. That's not going to work very well. And unless you're an elite athlete, you don't ever need to perform at that high metabolic requirement. So you don't need to breathe through your mouth. People will argue with me about that because it's uncomfortable to nose breathe when you exercise. Right. But okay. it's possible. But it's possible and beneficial. So as you probably know, and most people do, we just don't think about it. As you said, the the nose filters the air, warms the air, moistens the air, slows down the turbulence of the air. It allows the air to hit our lungs in, let's say, a conditioned way so we can get all the nutrients from the air. 
rather than those big mouth breaths. So that's the first place to start is, as you said, the awareness, but the awareness of shut your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Now, we can't do that because we're having a conversation. We're having a conversation. All right. Okay, let's hit that then. When people are actually talking, and I can sometimes run out of breath. Uh, if if my lungs go into mm-hmm. a spasm. So when people are talking, it's a long dialogue or they're teaching or whatever the case is. Um, and sometimes they can't stop to take in that breath. You know, how do they breathe if they're in the middle of a dialogue? That's a great question. And, and there's two ways that I look at this. In some situations, there is the need to keep the momentum of the conversation rolling. For example, if you're on stage and you're doing a talk, Unless you're using pause for effect, mm-hmm. taking that moment to close your mouth in between a sentence and take air in through the nose may not be appropriate. Mm-hmm. However, there will be other times during that talking that the pause is appropriate and you can take a nasal breath. Now, anyone who's listening, watching or otherwise with this will notice that I do take a pause. Mm-hmm. And that's not for dramatic effect. It's because <laughs> I've taught myself that. Breathing through the nose allows me not to get worn out by speaking. Right. Yes. Now, so so that's number one. You can breathe through the mouth again if you need to, but I would suggest you probably don't need to. It's more that there's the habit involved. And I think what happens is people are so interested in saying what they want to say and not get interrupted by the other person that they refuse to leave any space. Mm Mm-hmm. So they won't close their mouth and breathe through their nose because someone else might jump in and say what's important to them. <laughs> that all of that second from opening your mouth, being able to speak, right? You, know, you can close your mouth. It takes less than a second to open it up. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing, because I've been talking to people who are communication communications experts about this, that most of communication is listening, not speaking. Mm-hmm. And there are all these wonderful theories about how you can listen better and more deeply and, you know, there's active listening and all of this kind of stuff. I think that's way too complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think putting a strategy in place to listen defeats the whole effect of actually listening, defeats the purpose. There's no real listening because you're you're thinking about a technique rather than listening. Yes. So I will say to people, and I've said this to many men who I've coached, whether it's in breath work or men's work or as a a therapist, that sometimes the best thing you can do is shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. So we go back to the first point. (laughs) Now, when when you shut your mouth, you're not speaking and the other person gets to speak and they appreciate that you took the time to listen. And you may not be practicing a technique of active listening or anything like that. You're just focusing on your breathing. Yes. Very simply. And look at all of these positive ramifications of just shutting your mouth, which is why I keep saying it over and over and over again. Right, right. I mean, you know, if this type of thing is interactive. And so somebody kind of speaks for a moment, their bit, and then the other person responds with their input on it. And that means in the meantime, you can shut your mouth, take that deep breath and be ready to talk. Now, should one, before you talk, take a deep breath, or is the breathing that you're taking in between enough breath for you to then do your own dialogue? That is a great question. And it points to a lot of the issues people have with breathing and leading into breathing dysfunction is 
we often feel that we need to breathe more than we actually need to mm. breathe. Now, I would suggest the vast majority of people who are, even those who are completely unaware, are breathing in excess of their metabolic requirements. Ah. And therefore, when they don't maintain that excessive breathing, they begin to feel breathless. Mm. So instead of taking a deep breath, they take a big breath and you see them go, <gasps> yes. Like in the in the middle of speaking, yes. as if they've just done an eighty meter sprint or something like that, and it's only because they aren't tolerant of that feeling of breathlessness. That feeling of breathlessness kicks in when it really should not. It's almost as if the thermostat's set too hot, and uh-huh. we need to normalize it. So that happens a lot with people breathing because they won't take a moment to pause, mm. especially when they're rushing to say something you can actually teach yourself to take little sips of air through the nose while you're speaking. And it's almost, it's not quite, and and, and purists will maybe get upset with me saying this, it's almost like circular breathing that a trumpet player or a didgeridoo player might use. Mm. It's, it's not technically correct, but it's an interesting way to think about it. That you can breathe through your nose and speak out your mouth. So there's that circular effect of air coming in and out, but you're not pausing so much that it's like, yes, the, the blank air, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think also uh, I'm a rhythmic speaker, so I think it's all about the rhythm. And I think also mm-hmm. if you if you get into the rhythm, you're following the breath and your dialogue is following the rhythm. And so it kind of feels like you're not fighting the breath. You're speaking with the breath. Exactly. And what's interesting about that is everyone's breathing rhythm is slightly different. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden the cadence of how you speak, you'll notice this in singers. Mm-hmm. They, they 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 often sing with a particular cadence, a particular rhythm. The emphasis is on different notes, and they mm-hmm. ebb and flow. And it's very individual. Even if someone sings another person's song, it never sounds the same. No, and something in that to do with breathing. Now, I'm no expert in singing. You can ask my wife. I'm terrible at singing. <laughs> but but there's definitely a, if you talk to a singing coach or a singer, there is a, a massive aspect of that is how the breath works with the singing. When I was 16, um, a voice coach wanted to speak, uh, work with me because they said I had a singing voice. But of course, with the asthma, I didn't have the lung control. And I was very disappointed that my mum said no, because A, I think it would have helped my asthma considerably. But also, I love to sing and, Mm -hmm. you know, never quite had that lung power. And I think a lot of it is like didn't have the proper breathing power in order to do that. And so you you peter out. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, again, going back to people think they need to oh, take in the big breath so they oh, can get it all out. But again, it's back to that rhythm, isn't it? The rhythm, uh, matching your breath with your song, keeping it in rhythm so people don't notice you're suddenly breathing through your nose while a note is coming out of your mouth. And look, as I say, I'm no expert in singing. I'm sure there are moments in singing where you need to take a big yes. oral breath. To hit that, that high makes note. sense. <laughs> yes. Exactly right. And see, that's in that's in the context of a performance or a, an effort. And then you can recover to your nasal breathing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we didn't talk about with nasal breathing is it helps calm the nervous system. Ah. So if you just if you just think for a moment of someone breathing calmly, largely there's hardly any movement in the body. They're breathing deep into their belly and it's through the nose. Now, contrast that with someone who's stressed out. Yes. Well, it's just had a fright, just had a fright. Probably breathing fast erratically through the mouth and the shoulders are moving up and yeah. down in some kind of fairly vigorous fashion. So you can tell which one looks calm and which one looks mm-hmm. agitated. 
we can inform the body or recommend to the body and therefore to the mind that it's okay to be calm now by just closing the mouth because the body recognizes that nasal breathing for the most part is a calming activity. Yeah. Now think about someone who is a professional speaker, someone who sings, they return to their nasal breath when they can, they start to calm themselves down. Yes, that's an interesting point. Uh, the correlation of the, I mean, you know, as I said earlier about the taking of the breath, um, we have been teaching my little two and a half year old grandson when he gets upset, take a breath, take a breath, calm down. But there's something about a body when we take that breath and calm down, the shoulders relax, the spine goes straight, the abdomen opens up and everything mm -hmm. kind of is getting the oxygen it needs. And also you are calming down. So the, you know, when people are anxious or angry, what happens? You crunch, you crunch right down. There's no oxygen going through your body. How can you make a decision with lack of oxygen to the brain? And so that take a breath, set it all in. And then that calmness allows you that clarity. So it's really kind of, I think, one probably the first things that somebody needs to do when they're in that anxious state. Yeah, so this is this is really interesting. I know I'm going to sound like a broken record. When I have someone who comes into me and they're anxious, and I had an, an older gentleman come to me earlier this week, it was, to my mind, going to be an, an, an a session about asthma. Mm -hmm. It turned out that it was about stress, and ah. he was very agitated when he came in. So we started with the first thing, which was shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. and become aware of what's happening with your breathing. Now, by the time he'd done that for two minutes, we were 90% there already because his body knows how to breathe calmly. Yeah. And as his body calmed down, the information is fed back up via the nervous system to the mind. Oh, we're okay. We're calm. So yeah. the, you know, the overly evolved human part of the brain mm -hmm. doesn't have to keep overthinking and we interrupt all of that noise. And yes. how did we do that? We went to the body. Mm -hmm. How did we go to the body? We just changed the breath. And so mm -hmm. it, it's such a simple way of doing things that even, even for a young child, it, we just ask them, or we can even do a little, put a little finger on the mouth just to close the lips. And we don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. Often someone will say, take a big breath. Worst advice Ever. No one oh. needs a big breath. Right. We need a calm, deep breath. Okay. You so, take a big breath, you start kind of it's like a lump in your chest, right? It's exactly. like a bubble. Exactly. So not not big breath. And I say to anyone, if anyone ever says to you take a big breath, just do an automatic translation like Google Translate would do. Big <laughs> becomes deep. Take a deep breath. It can be bigger than normal. Maybe there's a little bit more volume, but take it down deep. Take yeah. it down deep. And then Children, for the most part, once their mouth shut, they'll breathe deep into their belly. Mm -hmm. It's only when they forget and, and no one's reinforcing correct breathing mechanics through the nose that they'll leave their mouth open. And humans being humans, we like the path of least resistance. The body will take over. You'll form a bad habit. And then there's no surprise then that you know, one in two, give or take, children are breathing through their mouth all the time. And then that leads to other problems. Right. Yes. So it's wonderful that you have a grandchild at that age that you have some input mm -hmm. to, to to affect positive breathing habits. Yes. It's wonderful. Yes. It's always been something, again, knowing breath, how important it is, but also the take the breath. Um, in 
it's the same with, you know, if I'm going into an asthma attack. Um, I had one with uh, somebody and I'd never seen myself have it before, you know, um, and I didn't realize how much I contorted and how much body mm. in my body. And I, I'm horrified looking myself on video while I'm doing this. Fortunately, I'm with a mother of 13 who is just saying, take your time, dear, take your time. And I'm getting my asthma pump and I'm trying to breathe. And it was how everything just like an accordion just crunched. And it was kind of quite scary to look at. And I kind of I understand now when anybody see me have an asthma attack, why they had the reaction that they've had. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never seen that with me before, obviously, because I'm not often on video having asthma attacks. So, but it is the, uh, I think very often when we lose breath, we panic. We think yes. we, we're going to, we're going to not be able to breathe again. I, I have not very often, but, you know, times of actually either a cold or something else, woken up in the night gasping, literally like <gasps> like this, trying to grab breath. And it's like it's all the breath has been taken out of me. And it I have to kick into my mind at that time. My, you know, my breath is not knowing what to do. It's struggling. And I have to kick into my mind that time and make sure I calm myself down because that's the only way I'm going to get my breath back. But I've learned to do that. But other people, mm -hmm. when they lose their breath, going to complete panic and that's the worst thing that they can do at that time mm -hmm. that is exactly correct it's it spirals out of control mm -hmm. there's there's a pattern that needs to be interrupted mm -hmm. and if we don't interrupt it in a positive fashion then all of a sudden it starts to feed on itself and you end up in a hyperventilation state yes which which is just it's not good for the body it's not good for the mind it hurts actually and it hurts well, the body, it, it hurts the chest, it, it gives you an awful headache. Everything about you is so tightened up that afterwards, even when you are breathing, your body hurts like hell. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the difficulty sometimes as the person in that situation, and, and, and believe me, as a, as a young boy, I was in that situation quite a lot, there is nothing worse than someone telling you, just control your breathing, slow down, calm down. <laughs> There's too much going on. Mm -hmm. There's... And, and it makes it worse because then you feel like you're not doing the right thing mm -hmm. that you could fix this all by yourself. Now, you can fix it all by yourself, but if someone's coaching you through that, it needs to be very gentle and accommodating yes. and allowing. Yeah. And that takes some skill and a little bit of nows to just be able to not be the person watching this other person have a terrible moment and not also join into the anxiety and the stress. Mm -hmm. And again, it's it's a very strange one. I've seen people because an asthma attack, the onset of an asthma attack, looks a lot like the onset of a, an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. It looks a lot like, mm. and we can interrupt that in a very similar fashion with breathing practice. Gently recommending that person to close the mouth. Again, it's the first thing. Now, if they can't do that, we can go to other. <laughs> yeah, we can go to other things. But it's that it's that somatic slowing down. Yes. Down regulation of the nervous system mm -hmm. to, a, and I think you just said it a moment ago to, to allow the space yes. to work it out. Yes. So you're not, you're not all up in your head. You're not all crunched over yes. because there's about eight things that you want to do at a time when mm -hmm. you've got an asthma attack that you, you, you want them to be other than they are. Right. But if you can find a way to relax, which isn't because you can't force yourself to relax. It's a complete oxymoron. Do you know, just relax now. Oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> no. You have to. You have to let go to relax. How do you let go when you're not breathing? When you're freaking out? When you're blah, blah, blah. so there are techniques that you can do right in the middle of that storm. But I would suggest more importantly, it's it's creating a basis of practice mm -hmm. so that 
your breathing foundation is solid. Yes. So if and when you get to that, all things being equal, it should not be as extreme and you Mm -hmm. have something to fall back on. And most importantly, you already have an understanding that you are okay. Even in the moment that you maybe are moving into an asthmatic situation, you're, you're coughing too much, you're feeling anxious, everything is tightening up. Once you've been practicing for a little while, you realize you do actually have enough air coming in and enough air going out. So the oxygen's coming in, the carbon dioxide's going out, uh, the mix is doing its thing. You're still getting oxygen around your body. You're not throwing your blood pH out of whack. There's enough oxygen getting to your brain. You're okay. You just don't feel wonderful right. at the moment. No, no. And I think it's like, as you said, the body knows what to do. So if we get the head out of the way, the body can just get in and do because it needs the breath. It wants the breath. It wants to regulate itself. But we can make the situation worse by panicking. So if we can exactly. calm the mind, and also, please don't hit somebody on the back when they're doing this. No, that's uh, that's that just adds to the exactly it adds to the experience of I don't want to be here right now. Yeah, you're already hurting, and the last thing you need is that on the slap of the back. And exactly. um, you know, I have found in the past, like even like somebody having a hand on your chest, it's okay. I've got you. I've got you. It's kind of a comforting thing, mm-hmm. but it also to respect if somebody pushes that hand away or whatever, respect where they're at, but yeah, uh, hands off. But the other thing, mm. keep your voice calm around them. Like this wonderful, you know, mother of what well, she's birth 13 has 15 and her, just her words can, it's okay, dear, take your time, dear. And cause you know, I'm in the middle of an interview. And so I'm immediately feeling, Oh my God, what's going on. And she was just, comp- I'm so glad it was her. <laughs> You know, because some people wouldn't know what to do. They may panic mm-hmm. themselves. And just that soothe, exactly. calming, you know, voice helped me gain control again. Now, um, athletes and dancers and performers, clearly they need more lung power. Are they going to have different breathing techniques than we do on a regular basis? I know that, you know, uh, one person I went to with breathing thing he says when you're going uphill it's not about the breathing in it's the breathing out is there a a different type of technique if you're about to do a sprint or a marathon or play tennis or do any of that it's very interesting I I tend not to want to interrupt what people naturally do when they're in their sport Mm -hmm. now now the reason I say that is quite often people have gotten to where they've gotten to Mm -hmm. by doing something a certain way right now, unless there's something completely dysfunctional about the breathing, I don't normally interrupt. Mm. I had a conversation recently. Someone's asking about how should I breathe when I'm running? And I'm not a running expert. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we, we just sort of spitballed a couple of ideas and I said what I thought. And, and, and my thinking is don't try and time your breathing with your running. Right, right. Where's your natural pattern? Is it working for you? Does it keep you relaxed? Are you running better when you do that? Are you, if you're competitive, are your numbers better? Mm. Let's let's investigate if that works better for you. Like what works better for you? So yes. within the, with, within the confines of the actual activity and competition, because I also work with some professional boxers, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell them what to do with their breathing when they're fighting, yeah. because they're they're not wanting to get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're wanting to win the fight because that leads you know, their career in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. However, I do want them to breathe in a certain way after the round or when they're 
not engaging so they can calm everything down. Right. So I will give them that advice. And that's a small part of what we do because the work for a boxer is outside of the ring. Mm. Yeah. And and same is true for other athletes. Outside of a swimming pool, the work's outside of the pool. Yes. Yes. Because there's a very particular way that you have to breathe when you're in the water and you mm-hmm. do not want to be told when you're swimming, nose breathing is not a good thing. No. <laughs> yeah. You've got to know you how know, to there is, breathe out. Yes. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. So, so swimmers breathe through their mouth. Perfect. Yes. That, that is one of the very rare times that you will do it, but it's only for that activity. Right. Outside of the pool, we work on other things. So to answer your question, we can do training outside of the actual event to improve lung capacity, to to stretch and open up all of the muscles that are involved in and around the torso in in breathing. And and there's an interesting correlation between functional breathing and functional movement. This is all Mm -hmm. scientifically validated. But we can also look at different ways of working with the breath that will mimic high altitude training, for example. Right. And, and create the release of more red blood cells, more EPO in the body. So therefore there's a performance boost in that. Mm. And and then there's also, of course, the psychological side. Yes. Being calm, focused, relaxed. And I often say it's using the breath to get into that flow state. When you're in the flow state, everything just happens very well. You don't right. have to think. No. It's just, it's 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 going. It's working. Yes. Musicians have this all the time. They get on stage, they play a three-hour set, they get off and they feel like they've been there for three minutes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I was a swimmer. I, many of the other sports I couldn't do because of the asthma, the running and this and that, but the swimming was the one where I felt comfortable in. <clears throat> Not necessarily diving or kind of swimming under the water, but I just found, you know, I remember leaving my bed determined to go to a swim meet and I'm being at home with bronchial asthma again. And I went to the swim meet and out of four races, I came third, second and first. And I, and I always found it, you know, backstroke was the big one for me. And I always found it helped my lungs. So are there certain activities that actually help open up the lungs, strengthen the lungs if for people that are compromised? Absolutely. And again, we move back to, we need to look at what's happening in the physical body. Mm-hmm. How can we move to open up that space? So consider that most children and most adults will be sitting at a desk, mm-hmm. likely with their shoulders hunched forward, spine curved forward as well. So if we just think about that for a moment, that's a, that's a fairly obvious picture that someone can get in their head. Now, what are we doing during the day to combat that or to right. do the opposite, to pull the shoulders back, to, to strengthen and straighten the spine? For most people, we're not doing much. They're not doing much. Right. So some kind of activity, like uh, finding a very good yoga teacher will help with this mm-hmm. or anyone, even a dance teacher, very good with posture. Mm-hmm. like a, the more classical dance yes. not necessarily for the feet in in sort of ballet for for the uh, for the ladies out there but uh there are just movement like that or tiajong and tai chi and tiajong tiajong they're both qigong, about, yeah. yes deliberate movements right about stretching the body out very linked to the breathing as well yes see and i would say take it a little a step further where you're doing those are very gentle exercises. Wonderful, by the way. I have experience in both Tai Chi and Qigong. Love them. I'm thinking more of a more active mm-hmm. exercise, like the asana practice in Hatha Yoga, for example. Right. Just really moving the body. Now, it doesn't even have to be from a yoga background. I did a breathing practice before we got on today. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just a lot of active stretching, opening up the ribs, breathing mm. big, putting the arms back, stretching tall, bending over. Everyone knows how to do that. They do that on the playground as children. Yes. We don't do it necessarily as adults. So it's hard to breathe into lungs if the cage around the lungs is tight. Yeah. So, you know, breathing, the actual practice of breathing is one thing, but allowing yourself a more holistic, if you will allow the term, approach to your own physical well-being, the way you move your body. Going for, yeah. Just going for a walk, going for a swim, doing some yeah. physical movement that's playful, dance, anything yes. like that. This allows all of the, let's say, the mechanisms, all of the apparatus of breathing to be in a better state. Just now that you can play. do exercise. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say you can then do particular breathing practices. Mm-hmm. Like you can do a big three-part yogic breath to to expand the capacity in your lungs and start you know, moving all of the muscles about and use your body to breathe. Right. And there are other different, yeah, there's a multitude of ways that you can breathe to affect certain parts and sometimes they're very subtle. Yes. We've had COVID. A lot of people have had lung damage or, um, you know, or influenza or anything along that line um, of recovering. And, of course, they talk about shorter breath and they talk about, um brain fog which i think maybe comes from the breathing and everything as well have you dealt with cases like that and and do you treat it differently i don't treat it differently i take it as an approach to a breathing dysfunction as i would Mm -hmm. with any breathing dysfunction and and i i say that with all care it may not be that there's a breathing dysfunction but the mechanism seems quite similar just just looking at what's happening for that person. What do we need to do? We need to readjust that. We were talking earlier about the thermostat. Maybe it's set too high. We need to find out where's normal breathing for this person, Mm -hmm. the correct volume of breathing, the correct rate of breathing that is adequate for their metabolic needs. Right. And I can't, as a breathing coach, fix anything that's damaged. Mm-hmm. That's that's outside of my scope of expertise. However, what my goal is, is let, let's say that the lungs are damaged and they're at 80% of capacity. Mm-hmm. Let's work together in a way that gets you to use 100% or as close to 100% of that capacity that you have available. Right. Bearing in mind that there is a part of your body that does not work in a respiratory fashion. I'm working with a young man at the moment who lost two-thirds of one of his lungs after birth. Oh. So he effectively has one lung. Right. Now, he is one of the fittest young men I've ever met. Wow. He can breathe, and this is going to sound silly, he can breathe rings around other people (laughs) because he uses the full capacity of what's available to him. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really important to understand breathing practice, pranayama, the Buteco method, oxygen advantage, any of the other different breathing practices, they're not cures. No. They're supportive. They help. Yeah. They can adjust. And they help you manage. Really imp- mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's, well, they can make profound dif- differences. I don't use asthma medication except in when I really need it. There's mm-hmm. no, like, no need for me to do that. I don't get asthma attacks anymore. Mm. Yeah. Now, does that mean that's true for everyone else? Of course not. Right. Of course it doesn't. But it's possible. Yes. And it can work. It can work connected to 
medication, other mm-hmm. treatments. It doesn't interfere. This is what's beautiful about breathing. You're never interfering with anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's exactly. truly complementary. A smoker and a vapor, and both of them absolutely detrimental to the body on every level and of vaping course. i've had i've i've heard of a 17 year old who had to have new lungs because of vaping because mm-hmm. it's totally non no coming back from it and smokers mm. um it seems to be kind of the hit the 40 mark and then suddenly i can you know i just can't function anymore i need to stop this and i've got to learn a whole new way of breathing i again do you work with people like that and what advice do you have other than quit <laughs> I, I feel that I actually had a conversation with someone recently who said, my mum might have emphysema. I'm sure she's got asthma and she still smokes. And I said, is she going to quit smoking? Mm. Yeah. Because it's like if there's a little fire going on somewhere and you want to put the fire out, but someone's pouring a little bit of gasoline on it every now and then, it's it's quite difficult to have any positive effect. Yeah. So it's I, I don't say I'm not working with anyone who smokes or vapes at the moment. Right. Am I? Do I exclude that kind of person? No, but the large part of the discussion is why do you want to work with me and put all of this effort Mm. in if you're not going to do the one thing that's going to have the most effect? So that's my advice. I mean, it it can't be any clearer. People who smoke and vape, they know it's not good for them. I know. Mm -hmm. They absolutely know, and they make the decision to do it. Now, I'm not judging that. Right. From the perspective of a breath coach, it really limits what I can do to help. Exactly. I mean, somebody has to want to help themselves in order for you of to course. help them. And, you know, and, and so if you're, if you're coming and like, I'm not going to give up the cigarettes, but, you know, show me how to breathe better. It's just, it just doesn't go hand in hand. So no. at some point you've got to kind of put that value on your life and realize you do have an addiction and that is a whole nother story. And you need help in that area before we can help you with the breathing. And, and so sometimes in that case, someone coming to someone like me can be enough to move them towards quitting. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So here's what we can do. Here's what's happening in your body. Here's some basic respiratory physiology. You already know smoking's bad. This is what's going on when you're not smoking. We can attend to that this way, this way, this way. But honestly, if you keep coming back to me once a week for the next 10 weeks, you know, we're pushing it uphill. Yeah. It's it's going to be quite difficult to affect a decent result for you. There is an elephant in the room and you <laughs> need to move that elephant on. So some look, sometimes it's helpful just to have that conversation with people. I come from a psychotherapeutic hypnotherapy background. I used to work with people with smoking all the time. Mm-hmm. Because you know, everyone thinks that hypnosis is primarily to quit smoking and it's it's amazing. Like I've had people quit on the spot and never touch a cigarette again. But of course they want to quit. And yes. they just need that little bit of help to get Push. there. Mm-hmm. So, so perhaps the person who's smoking and wants to do breath work would, would do well to see a very good hypnotist, hypnotherapist, and then a breath coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not before the horse, so to speak. <laughs> well, sometimes it's a sometimes it's a good introduction. So for example, someone who's smoking might come across one of my videos on YouTube and say, oh that's very interesting. And then it might move them in the direction yeah. that they otherwise want to slash need to go. Um, coughing. Where does coughing come from? <clears throat> like me right now, there getting the horse voice. Psychosomatic uh, one there. Uh, is it? Because it just I like, don't know. What's I possible? Mean, just, um, 
I can, you know, that it just comes out of anywhere, especially like a dry cough. And I know very often like um, air conditioning or central heating or things like this mm. can, can be aggravating, et cetera. But when people well, have you've like got this. got it right there. It's aggravating. Right. It's the, irri- it's the irritation mm. of the lungs. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like the cough in that situation. The cough is almost like scratching your itch. You can't put your yes. finger down your throat and yes. scratch your lung, right? So so the air you're trying to cough it right. to, to get the itch. A lot of the time, it's in the throat as well. It's not down here in the lungs. The phlegm. So you well, it could it, well, it could be yeah. phlegm, or it could just be an itch. You could have yes. dust. You could have some particles that come up with the mucociliary elevator mm. all the way up, which sometimes you will swallow without thinking about it. Sometimes you need to expel by a coughing. Right. Sometimes it gets stuck here, so you cough. People have done this. They cough and they swallow a little bit. The stomach acids break it all down, so and it just gets mm-hmm. expelled at the other end. Right. So in some way, the body needs to expel this stuff. Most of the time, in my experience and what I see, it's irritation that's the coughing. Mm. And then the secondary one would be when there is something that needs to be expelled. Mm-hmm. Mu- mucus, whether it's some kind of result of infection, Mm-hmm. That needs to come out. It's not good to have any fluid in your lungs, so we need right. to expel that. And and for for asthmatics, it's just this interesting thing where it, it sort of feeds upon itself. Yes, the lungs do get irritated because asthmatics breathe too much, breathe too fast, breathe too big, and uh, then it just runs out of control. Mm-hmm. So, one in, in within the Buteyko method, this is very difficult to do, even conceptually. One of the things that the method talks about is trying to prevent yourself from coughing in the middle of a coughing attack. Now, I know that sounds really mm-hmm. kind of, oh, how would I do that? Yeah. And again, one of the things that we suggest is to close the mouth because you can mm-hmm. actually cough through your nose. Mm-hmm. So can you do that? Why would we bother doing that? Because again, we want to remove you to nasal breathing as soon as possible. And it does interrupt that pattern. Mm-hmm. Does it work all the time? No, I've had coughing fits and I'm like, I've no, it doesn't work. Okay, that's all right. Let's not judge Adam. <laughs> we're going to we're going to go about this a different way. So yeah, it's uh, coughing is just so annoying. And then if you cough yourself into a state, then it can be wheezing because there's restriction. Because mm-hmm. you think about it, you cough so much, you get the, the, that bronchoconstriction, and then all of a sudden, oh, now I feel this feels like asthma. It might not be asthma. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm wheezing. Oh, you could talk yourself into it almost. Whereas, okay, that's happening. What do I need to do? What can I do? Do I have the tools? I open my chest up. I don't feel like opening my chest up because it's tight, but that's what I need to do. This is mechanically advantageous. This is a good posture. What was the other thing that Adam keeps saying? Shut my mouth. Okay, I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> oh, I can breathe through my nose. Ah, oh, and we've done all of those exercises before, so I don't panic when I feel a little bit mm. breathless. That's okay. I'm getting enough. I can stay here and breathe. Oh, now I'm feeling calm. Mm-hmm. And it can be work. Don't, don't get me yes. wrong. It's not like you click your fingers. Yes. It's not a silver bullet. Sometimes you need to work. Like I'll tell you a quick story. I went camping a few months ago. It was in the middle of winter in the hinterland here in Queensland, Australia. People were like, oh, that was warm. No, it's not warm. It was single figures during the, during the darkness and the deepness of the night. I went to bed, grabbed two blankets, put them in my swag, and then woke up two hours later and was not breathing very well. Mm. And it's very tight. Oh, it's oh, dust. Dust is yes. my kryptonite. Oh, so I yes. threw the blankets outside, threw the blankets out, but, but my lungs were already compromised. Yes. 
So I thought I'll do my I'll do my breathing exercises, try and sit up cross-legged in my swag, but I can't because it's too short. So my head's this way, but it's about two degrees Celsius outside. <laughs> so I don't want to go outside because I think to myself, if I go outside, the cold will affect my lungs anymore. I'll start coughing. And of course, I hadn't taken an asthma spray with me. Right. Which would have been a beautiful way just to allow myself to get my breathing back under control yes. quickly. Yes. So I didn't have I didn't have that. So I spent the next six hours doing breathing exercises and doing my best just to relax. Got through the night. And the reason I got through that night was I didn't panic. Right. Yeah. So it didn't go out of the, was it difficult to breathe? Yes. Was I able to breathe enough to sustain my life? Yes. Did I enjoy myself? No. No. (laughs) Woke up in the morning. I was tired. I was quite sore in the chest because that's, you know, that that had had coughing and everything. Like like you said, it had all squeezed up tight. And it's a cramped space in a swag. You don't really get to stretch out. So then I got up in the morning, opened up. Someone else had uh, a reliever spray. Mm-hmm. I took two puffs and it was just enough to allow me to get back to normal breathing without having to put so much effort into the breath. Right, exactly. So again, I, I, I've been caught can... with, without my pump and, and it's like, okay, you know, what am I going to do here? And that means, as you said, first thing, don't panic. Okay. Let's let's listen to the breath. Let's try and bring it down. Let's calm it down. And you mm. know, often I could be talking to my kids on the phone or something. Mum, you're wheezing. I am. <laughs> I haven't noticed. You know. <clears throat> but yes, dust is my kryptonite. And so if mm. I'm going to do housework, it's Vaseline up the nose and a mask on yeah. because yeah. I am going to react and I am going to pay the price for it. So whenever I have to do clean the house and do that, I know that I might be compromised for a day or so. Yeah. And it can happen. And so this is, it's really interesting when, when we look at the approach of the Buteco method to help someone let's say who's got asthma and therefore they will invariably have triggers, mm-hmm. dust, dust mites, pollen, cold temperature, whatever it may be. And a lot of people say, well, what are you going to do about my triggers? And I say nothing. I'm not going to do anything about your triggers. Can't do anything about your triggers. I can't do anything (laughs) about your triggers. But what I can help you is to develop a foundation that it's highly likely that those triggers aren't as strong. Mm -hmm. And you become more aware of your breathing and more aware of what sets you off. So you can avoid those triggers more in your life, like you're doing Vaseline, masks, Mm -hmm. you know, Maybe you need to clean the house twice as often as you would like to because you need to remove the dust, something like that. You can put these strategies in place and develop a capacity and a foundation of breathing that allows you not to get quite as affected. Now, I live in a dusty house because the way this was built, it was built by just this beautiful hippie back in the late (laughs) 70s, early 80s. So there are cracks everywhere and we live effectively on a sand dune, so it's dusty and it comes into the house. Mm -hmm. So we we can vacuum and clean and dust and mop and everything and two days later it's dusty. Exactly, yes. So we've got, we just have to stay on top of it because there's the possibility that that will affect me and I I would prefer it doesn't. Now, what I must say is that since I've been diligent in my practice, the same amount of dust has less effect. Right, exactly. So, were, again, were you were and, you born this way with asthma? Or did it something that came later? I, I got the Asian flu at the age of two, and that's where my asthma came in. Um, but when did you get it? And a lot of people outgrow it, and mm. I certainly didn't. It just kind of carried on with me in my life. But you know, how did your asthma come about? Couldn't tell you exactly whether I had it as a baby, but definitely as a toddler, it uh-huh. was there. My mother is asthmatic. My father's not. My father's, as I say in Australia, fit as a melly bull. <laughs> and 
so yeah, I just had it as a as a child. My sister has asthma as well. Had asthma as well. Uh, we're both you know, reformed asthmatics. And, uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you what it was or how it came about. Whether it was a genetic thing, whether it was an environmental thing. I know that the suburb that we lived in was quite dry and dusty just outside. Mm-hmm. So that could have had an effect. But honestly, I've never taken the time really to analyze why, because to be quite honest, it doesn't it doesn't really inform me at all. It's like, what can I do now? And so, you know, they, I, I think back and I, I I think to myself now, there are people that are in that situation now that I was in then. So mm-hmm. that's part of why I'm so passionate about educating people is that they might not know through no fault of their own. And that could be the parents or it could be the children. Or it could be both. The more and more this information gets out there, whether it's yes. through me or through someone else, it might affect one person and that's it. That's worth it. Oh, 100%. Was it through your compromising of your breathing that put you on this path in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. to be to be absolutely honest, I didn't realise that until quite recently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, that I've, I've effectively come around full circle. So breathing was problematic for me as a child and when I say problematic close to death hospitalized yes, yes asthma mm-hmm. specialists all of that wonderful stuff yes parents <laughs> beside themselves not knowing what to do um overly conservative medical advice as a young boy who just wanted to run around and try and find unique and beautiful ways to hurt himself that <laughs> <laughs> was a typical boy <laughs> yeah exactly right I just wanted to be a boy uh, so, you know, that, I think that started me looking at alternative approaches to medicine. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda and mm-hmm. um, traditional Chinese medicine, martial arts, yoga. I taught myself how to breathe through asthma. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I had this concept in my head that I would breathe underneath the asthma. So mm. I taught myself how to breathe diaphragmatically, but I didn't have the terminology for it. Yeah. So I did all of this stuff and then it's kind of a thread through wellness and owning a gym and doing coaching and therapy. And then I worked out that the whole time I've been teaching how people how to breathe or I've been focusing on not in my breath, but not diligently and like yeah. absolutely precise focal point, which is no, the sort of post the post pandemic mm. slight course adjustment was you've been doing all of this stuff, but let's put a name on it. Yeah. Let's let everyone know exactly what it is. It's not part of something else. It is the something else. Yes. That can be applied to everything else. Right. That's all right. And I just, I really wanted to be absolutely overt and out there and obvious about yes. it. Right. But I'm not a, I'm not a, a men's coach mm-hmm. who will teach you how to breathe as part of the construct and the program of men's coaching. I'm not a therapist. Mm-hmm that will do 90% of the therapy will actually be somatic and breathing and and we'll talk a little bit at the end because that's what was happening. You know, we yes. were just doing breathing. Right, exactly. Like, okay, we just, I'm just going to be obvious about this. There are other people who can do that that other stuff with that label better than I can. I'm going to be this guy. You're, you're the lungs friend. The, you're the lungs <laughs> advocate, right? You're standing up for the lungs and showing people how to use them properly. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Again, people really don't know the importance of breath and the fact, I mean, I, for me too, it's that I learned how to breathe out of necessity 
what mm-hmm. worked when you know when you're in a spasm what can you do and learning to calm down the logical things of well that works that doesn't work and then in a lot of ways just getting out of my own way and letting my my mind body heart and soul kick in right and do mm-hmm. what it needs to do and because the worst thing you can do is panic at any time at any time it mm-hmm. just is going to close everything off so i think a lot of it is that innately and and um you know spiritually it's within us to be uh, if we could get out of the head and trust kind of the heart soul and spirit will guide us along the way but having mm-hmm. the techniques and being aware being conscious which i hope you know i want everybody to wake up to consciousness on many levels on <laughs> stacks of level that's what my platform is about but the simple thing of breath that we take for granted that is absolutely life source but not just being able to actually breathe so we can live but just taking that breath to calm us down and not react to everything in life uh, you know i think is is something that we all need to do just take that breath which is important mm-hmm. so if people um you are in australia do you, when you work with people there do you work with people around the world what is it that you offer and how i work with people who want to work with me if mm-hmm. someone's close to, close to me locally they can come and work with me one on one in person I do workshops in and around Southeast Queensland. And I have a lot of people contacting me at the moment, asking me to come and do some of their retreats and things like that. So I'll probably be jet setting shortly. Mm -hmm. But I definitely do most of my work very much like this over a Zoom call or some other kind of video call. As long as I can see the person. Right. Because you uh, want to see what they're doing right or wrong. I and, want to see, yeah, yes. absolutely. And I think it's important to have that connection. We're, we're used to it now. It's it's one of the positive yes. things that came out of the pandemic that we have connected so much on video calls lately that we've become used to it. We understand body language and how to yeah. how to talk to each other over these mediums, over these channels. So, yes, my focus at the moment is working with people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I don't offer an ongoing program. Mm-hmm. I, I will see a person once. And from that session together, we work out what the protocol going forward right. is. I make my recommendations and everything's up to the individual that I'm working with. Right. I say to most people, be prepared to come in for three to five sessions because that's where the results come from. Yes. There's absolutely no pressure for me because you're already working through some level of stress or you wouldn't want to see me. Exactly. Exactly. Now, there are... There are some people that have got it all worked out and they want to get subtle and go deeper and maybe look at the more esoteric mm-hmm. benefits of breathing or they want to really sharpen performance. So maybe they're not moving away from something they don't like, they're work- working towards yeah. something. The same protocol exists in terms of, yeah, have a have a consider, consider three to five sessions, but you only need to pay for the first one to get started. Right. And, and because it's winter in Australia at the moment and – I'm really focused on helping people with asthma. I've I reduced my fee to $100 Australian until the end of winter. Which is around about, I think, 80 Canadian and 70-something US. It's probably about right. I don't know. It keeps fluctuating. I know. So Today. <laughs> it's, you know, I know it's a very reasonable price. And, yes. again, I've done that so it's accessible for more people. It yeah. does reset on the 1st of September, but um, that's okay. It's still all there. And And as I say, I'm available for people who want to work with me, become more aware. This stuff works. And I say to everyone, look, if you do the practice and you dedicate the time, something shifts. Yes. I I cannot guarantee that you will get to the absolute goal, but mm-hmm. you will get towards the goal. You may need to yes. do some other work because breath work and 
breath practice it's fit with other parts of yeah yeah other parts of this journey that you're on what i find maddening is people who start cherry picking all of these different shiny objects mm-hmm. in the wellness space and the foundation of breathing is not sorted out exactly. so let me give you a let me give you the most basic example if you're not breathing well i guarantee you you're not sleeping well mm-hmm. if you're not sleeping well that cascades into poor health or suboptimal health. Yeah. So if we, we didn't even go talk back about the... sleep apnea, I mean, that's a. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, that's a whole new discussion. Yes. And getting a solid foundation for breathing, even if you need some other intervention for sleep apnea. Yes. It's essential. Absolutely yes. essential. I, I could I, just I, keep going on and on. I know, on I know, I know. You have to give in one last question before I ask you to give the sight and everything. Very often I find that I'm in a kind of a deep breath, almost to a point that my breath is still. Mm-hmm. Right? Beautiful. Is that good or is that not? <laughs> if you're conscious of your breath pausing, there is no problem. If right. your breath is pausing and you're not aware of it, i.e. sleep apnea. Right. Or something that might be interesting to look up in your own time and, and for the listeners as well is screen apnea. That's when people stop breathing when they're working on a computer. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those ones that people that's one of those ones where I say that to people and they go, Oh, they say yes. oh geez, I think I do that. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you're unaware of yeah. it until you're aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Here are my details. Get in touch. We can yeah. work through that. Okay. The details. How do people get hold of you? Nice and simply, if you just type my name into any search tool anywhere in the world, you will find me. Can you spell your name for people who are only just listening? Yeah, it's Adam and the surname is Stanecki. It's S-T-A-N-E-C-K-I. So adamstanecki.com is my website. It's my handle on all social media. The Breath Geek name is starting to land with all the algorithms. So you may find me that way. But definitely just type my name in. And um, if you're interested in doing some work with me, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I, You know, I think that whether people are, are battling with their breath or don't know how to breathe properly, have asthma, have compromise. But I think also for anybody that's going in any form of stress right now, and mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of people going through transition in their life. They're in a redirection and it can be very, very stressful. And I think kind of getting a hold of your breath, being conscious of your breath during this time allows you to go through that transition, you know, kind of accompanied by your breath and not feeling your breath is up against you. Yeah, that's, I couldn't say that better. Like my my job is to help people breathe different. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's change how you're breathing now so you can get a better result, a different result. Yes. And that's what it's all about. And it's such a beautiful thing because we can we can turn the dial specifically to where you are right now and where you want to go to. No it's, one it's size prof- fits all. It's customized. No, it's, it's yeah. profound and it's beautiful. And I yeah. love it. And as you can say, the reason I call myself the breath geek is I will, if given the opportunity in the forum, talk about this for days. <laughs> I love it. And that's when you know somebody's in the right lane you know, doing the right thing. And uh, when you look back on your journey, everything prepared you for this path that you're on Mm. now. And let's face it, folks, if you're actually watching this, you're breathing. If you're getting up, walking around, doing anything, you're breathing. But are you breathing Mm -hmm. properly? And are you breathing Mm -hmm. in a way that's going to sustain your body on every level? So reach Adam, have a chat, and just explore what those opportunities. You may just, in those three 
after five sessions, change your approach to your breathing completely. That changes your approach to living completely as well. Yeah. I, look, I would say if you do three to five sessions with me, it will change your life. There you go. Who doesn't want to change life? <laughs> Thanks so much, Adam. Thank you for doing this. And, and Thank it's, you so uh, much, Sarah. I appreciate extremely it. Extremely important that we know how to breathe and how to breathe properly and uh, to be aware. You know, uh, I think also to step into the gratitude of breath as well, because where would we yes. be without it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Until next time, folks, be conscious of your breathing now, just as you click this off, you know, look at your breathing. How are you breathing? Are you breathing properly? Do you need Adam? Reach out, because even just like in one session could tell you whether you're doing it right or not. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. There are so many more for you here on selfdiscoverywisdom.com. Just go to the podcast tag at the top there and you will see all the many genres and all 3,000 shows ready for your listening. We are here to serve you, to help you on your journey of life. And we know that through inspiration, it begets invitation. We are supported by you, the listeners, and those that we interview. Anything that you can spare us in donation would be greatly accepted. And we do hope that you enjoy the next show.